listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 422. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the German Netflix post-apocalyptic series, Tribes of Europa. And I guess this is going to be our last morning recording for a while, because it's back to work for you next week. Actually, this week on Thursday, I go back. But oh, yeah. my gosh. So sorry. Yep. Yeah. yeah, remember the good yeah. old days when we went back to school a week before the kids and now it's like yeah. a week and a half and it's like Yeah. Well, you know, dude, more time for meetings. And yes. <laughs> you know. I mean, come on. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I actually went in to talk to our new principal and she was seemed to indicate that uh she wasn't gonna spend a lot of time going over the stuff everybody already knows, which if that's the case, man, I I'm uh, all for that. So yeah well, see. yeah, well, that's not the first time we've heard a principal say that. So we'll see True. how that plays out. True. I mean, I get it. There's stuff that they got to make sure they can say that, you know, when the person screws up, say, well, they were told this, you know, and everything. But, you know, unfortunately, when they told them that, Dave was in the back watching Battlestar Galactica. Though. Yeah. And, and, dude, I got the see me note at your earliest convenience. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, all right. Well, listen, uh, you know, for you guys out there, if you want to contact us with some feedback, questions, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. All right. Now, I teased you last week with uh, an offer I was going to throw out at you. Right. And uh, we figure looking at our schedule we still haven't announced what we're doing next and and we still want to hold off on that a little bit just to make sure everything plays out the way we think it's going to not that it would be (laughs) this big deal if it didn't but uh, we figure we've got two open weeks in between shows so here's my proposal all right one of the weeks we'll cover deadpool nice and the other week we'll cover the pilot for lucifer how does that sound? That sounds great. I All like right, it. cool. Now, did All we right, talk about so this before? We did not. No, that's what I'm saying. Because I was, I, I was totally like, you know what? In one of those two weeks, I'm going to totally, we should totally do Deadpool. I should get Dave to finally watch Deadpool and we talk about it one of those weeks. That is, that's, we're, we're just like vibing here, man. We're like, totally I know. Like, well, well, the funny thing, and I don't even remember how it came up. My wife and I were talking about superheroes again i'm not even sure exactly how we got to deadpool and i said ah here i'll just show you the trailer for deadpool and you know it's like a two minute trailer she's like well can we watch it now i'm like nice (laughs) (laughs) so anyway um all right cool very very cool so uh that's just hilarious that you came up with that idea because i was totally gonna throw that out there all right, so Lucifer's on Netflix. Uh, yes. I'll track down Deadpool. I'm sure I can find it somewhere. All right, anyway, uh, what I'm watching this week, I finished season one of Better Than Us, the 16-episode Russian sci-fi crime drama. And as my wife said, you know, it, it, it starts to drag a little bit. It's almost that they could have told their story in 12 episodes, but, but still, it, it was really good. Season two has been greenlit, and apparently it has Chinese backers, and it's going to begin filming in the next month or two. And if if you've seen it, you know whether the Chinese backers decide to get in because the you know the the main AI is a, 
a product of Chinese development, or so the story goes. But uh, it's going to have 10 episodes. I also finished season one of the Roman Empire, which focused on the Emperor uh, Commodus. And, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. It kind of petered out at the end. And, you know, maybe I just wasn't in the right mood or whatever. But it was still good. And I, I started season two, which uh, follows Julius Caesar. And, and he's in his you know early days of, uh, you know, his involvement in the Roman Empire. But, you know, nicely done hybrid of scripted drama, documentary style. So, uh, you know, I mentioned it to you and I'm sure you'll check it out at some point. Season two as I said, they bring in, you know, scripted drama and then there'll be some expert, some academic that makes comments. I'm like, dude, it's Mike Duncan. And oh, really? he's all over. Se- yeah. He's all over season two. Uh, so that's funny. Anyway. Yeah. All right, so what are you watching? A, uh, like actual, I mean, not, he's not legit, but he's not legit. Right. I mean, he's a podcaster. He was a guy who was a, a fan history buff who, you know, well, he wrote a, a really, really also. good podcast. But, you know, you'd think, like, you'd get someone with, like, a PhD at the end of their name or something. But Well, yeah. that's true. Now, he did write a book that apparently has been really well-received. Yeah. No, so. I, did you read it? I read the book. It was good. Oh, okay. No, but again, yet, but you know, I, know. I mean, I, I, I I'm, I'm sure he studied Rome probably as much as, as someone who has the actual degree. So I'm not, I shouldn't throw, throw shade at him and everything, but it's just like... Um, but you know, you can see like when you put him in it, like also you are, you know, it's like, again, I shouldn't make this comparison, but Shelby foot with the, the civil war, uh, series, you know, like he, he lent an air of both credibility, but also popularity to it, you know, cause it's someone who was a popular author. So, yeah. so I don't know. all right. Anyway, what do you got? Okay. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> two movies. I've kind of i've i've, I've gone off of uh, of series because knowing that we're going back to school soon, I'm trying to not get hooked on any kind of series that I will need to uh, be watching and binging and staying up late for uh, when I have to go back. So, just catching up on a lot of the movies that I have have like reserved in Amazon Prime and HBO Max and Netflix, and and there's some good ones out there. So. Uh, both these movies were our Netflix movies. Uh, the first one was really, really good time travel movie called See You Yesterday. I I cannot recommend this movie highly enough because well, I call it a time travel movie because obviously there is a time. It's like these two high school kids, super smart. Um, they are able to figure out how to go back in time, basically. Uh, and they live in New York City. Right. So, so they do. And of course their, their, their travels back in time has consequences. And then they, it it becomes a, what was that movie that no one understands where the the guys keep going to the box and keep traveling back and back and they run into like other iterations of themselves. Oh, right, right. It's an indie movie. Yeah. 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 I Um, I know what you're talking about. So it's, it's kind of like that, except understandable and enjoyable so you know they end up kind of keep going back and and you know the consequences that they see and everything and you know when we both taught uh ninth grade and we both had the the science fiction or you know other worlds unit that we did in that and you know a big part of that is how you know like science fiction oftentimes 
like in your Fahrenheit 451s or Brave New Worlds and things like that. It's making the commentary on the world of today. And, and certainly See You Yesterday absolutely does. Um, and some – you know, I don't want to use the word heavy-handed. It, it is. I mean, obviously, the, the, the comments it's making are, are, are not subtle, right? It's, it's a, a lot about racism and injustice, um, and it doesn't hide that at all. But it's not – heavy-handed in the way that it's done inexpertly. It's done very, very well, you know, mostly because the, the two kids, well, actually the three, the girl, her friend, and, and her brother as well, like kind of the three main characters. And the actors just do such an outstanding job to really bring you in emotionally. So it was just really, really good. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. Cool. Yeah. I just wrote it down. Yeah. All right. So the other movie, I'm not going to talk about nearly as much. I still liked it. I finally watched uh, Army of the Dead last night, which was a movie I, I probably should have watched ages ago um, as it's kind of up my zombie apocalypse alley. Um, pretty standard fare. Well, it, it kind of mixes the zombie apocalypse with a, a heist kind of movie because they're like – it's like a, like Las Vegas has been completely overrun by – by zombies, but they've put up a wall around the city so that they're they're trapped in, and this group of people are trying to go into the city to uh, get this money out, out of the safe in there and everything. So you got that heist element, you got the zombie element, but there's nothing, you know. It, while that in itself is pretty cool, um, there wasn't necessarily a lot new about it. The performances were pretty good uh, overall. But, you know, what I just can't abide, Dave, is I can't abide the stupid people in zombie apocalypses who don't really appreciate that they're in a zombie apocalypse. And they make decisions like, oh, we got to go back and get someone or, you know, this like stuff like that. Like you are barely able to get out of there yourself alive and you're going to risk your life and the lives of everyone else to do something like while noble is ultimately stupid you know yeah well that, well that transcends zombie movies because I, i'm seeing it in a lot of the shows that my wife and i are watching as well and um yeah it drives me crazy for yeah. sure it's like you know especially after you've already almost lost your life a number of times and yet you're going to make a decision other than i'm getting the hell out of here you know like at some point you got to appreciate that you're in a zombie apocalypse there's just too many too many characters in these movies don't do that. They don't appreciate the zombie apocalypse. They don't respect the zombie apocalypse, Dave. I, I can't handle nope. that. I hear you. So, All right. Well, let's get to Tribes of Europa, Chapter 3, written by Benjamin Seiler, Jana Burbach, and Philip Koch, who together they wrote Episodes 2 through 6, directed once again by Philip Koch, and the series dropped February 19th, 2021. You know, I mean, they're really laying out the the episodes structurally pretty clearly among the three siblings, and and I guess that's to be expected. And and they do a pretty good job of of covering everybody. I, I think we'd all like a little bit more to have happened at this point, since we're now halfway through the series. And okay, uh, I'm not sure yet whether they've got gotten a season two yet or not. I, I would certainly think uh, it, it's likely for a lot of the reasons we've already talked about. But 
you know, the story with Elia and Moses who are seeking help with the cube, and obviously one of the big questions is how long is he going to hold off telling Moses everything he knows about the cube? I mean, he doesn't seem like he has as much self-control as he's exhibiting in that area, which props to him. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, but uh, we see here uh, a little bit of information coming out at at a time, you know, when he ultimately realizes, okay, I know how to operate this thing. I'm going to have to look in here, then the cube's going to do stuff. And, And so, you know, obviously Moses then understands, all right, there is a lot of stuff this kid hasn't hasn't told me uh, about this cube for sure. And, and you know the opening scene with the two of them, it's got that road trip feel to it. And how long these two are going to be together on the road, we obviously don't know at this point. But but we get the sense it's going to be for a while. And no surprise, Elia wants to know about Black December, and Moses is like, "Oh yeah, I remember." And 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 we talked about this before. Um, yeah, okay. I, I guess by your age, you, you do, you were old enough to remember some things, but okay, still, but Elia throws out, you know, that, that question, well, was it cyber attacks between the old superpowers or was it this military super virus that caused it? And of course, Moses is a little bit surprised at how much he actually knows. And then, you know, we, we learned that his mom was kind of super obsessed with collecting information about it and maybe obsessed is the wrong word but i guess if her obsession centered around perhaps preventing it from ever happening again which you right. know, she's just well, one, one person you know, if you're posting stuff on a wall and you're not a police officer then you're obsessed yeah good point good so point. i could say she was but she uh, fred mentions this too and it seems like she's passed her obsession on to Elia. So, Fred, I don't think you were 100% wrong with that. Um, you know, while the stuff posted on, on the wall uh, was not stuff that Elia put there, uh, he seems to be genuinely have inherited that, that uh, deep interest, I guess we can say, in what happened in Black December. Well, yeah. And, and Moses points out that he suspects it's the Atlanteans because their technology apparently survived this uh you know breakdown and and you know that that they have no blackout where they are now do the origines not really know that because they've withdrawn from society i mean is that you know a rumor that has been out and about you know in, in the rest of the world among the other tribes I don't know, but then he also points out that nobody knows where they come from, and and that lost arc of the Atlanteans is just like killer, uh, <laughs> yeah. dude. I love that. Yeah. So well, you know, it it shows that um, while like no one knows really what happened, as as he said, just I can't remember like the the sound he makes, but we would probably in American English say "bam" or "poof." You know, but, uh, you know, basically just said everything stopped working, you know, and no one really knows why. It, everyone has their own theories, but no one, you know, so while we kind of get a better picture of what happened with Black December, we're no nearer understanding why it happened than Elia is. Right, because it's one thing to take down the internet, 
it's another thing that airplanes no longer work or automobiles no longer work. Although we, as we've talked about automobiles, they, they do seem to uh, have cars and, and uh, obviously Moses has his vehicle. So, you know, we don't know necessarily the extent, but regardless, the Atlanteans don't seem to have suffered much. You know, you put two and two together, certainly it, it appears they have some sort of a role in this. Um, we get that great scene where they're stopping by the lake to eat. And who among us has not looked at a can? All right, let's see. Best Buy uh, 2017. All right, well, that's four years. That's probably yeah, okay. We're, we're fine. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my, my wife is much more, we've, we've had this argument so many times where I'm like, it's fine. Like, and she's like, it's not fine. <laughs> yeah. Eventually that's an argument that's not worth, uh, fighting for me. I'm like that Correct. Right away, but, um, unless it's only for me, but, right. uh, we, we also hear about a Northern Alliance which sounds a lot like Vegas. I don't know about you, but when he's explaining, you know, what, where they should go after they sell the cube and, and he basically says everything about, except, uh, yeah, I'll take you there so you can lose your virginity, Elia, but you know, we shall see. But, but again, as you, you mentioned last week, we get these little drips and drabs of information that enable us to construct a, a larger whole. And, northern of what we don't necessarily know is is this northern germany is it you know whatever scandinavia is it britain yeah Yeah, right right. yeah right so so they head out to find the person that's going to fix the cube and of course the first thing that strikes you visually is that pyramid style structure but before you can really lock in on that somebody starts firing on them and then it's a great scene when uh, amina comes out and and clearly knows moses apparently the two had a romantic relationship of, of some kind and he's like yeah i'm going out for a pack of cigarettes i'll be right back and <laughs> you know two years three months later he's back with no cigarettes yeah yeah so. and he still calls her like babe or baby i can't remember what you know but uh, yeah, you know, yeah he yeah. still like refers to her in, in that way uh as if they, they have some kind of relationship and you know yeah i definitely uh I, I took him as like a very han solo-esque kind of character here you know the the likable rogue and all that so yeah that was yeah. a funny scene yeah, and her character as somebody that really just wants to retreat into her own world, although it does seem as if she enjoyed having a companion with her, but that didn't really need or want the rest of the world. I mean, she's got a tremendously appointed workshop, and she waxes on a little bit about the fall of the continent, and okay, that that's fine. Again, that was the perfect amount. It was like 15, 20 seconds or so. Just to remind us, yeah, okay, okay, so the countries like Spain and England and Germany and France that that we suspected were still around, you know, were still around. Like Moses, she's in it to a certain extent for the money, although you almost get the feel she's in it for the science and the technology mm-hmm. as well that, that she really wants to know. I mean, she gets the damn thing open pretty darn quickly. That's for sure. Right. Well, you know, there's a couple of things there that, that either a, um, she 
is familiar with Atlantean technology that she didn't need to like try and you know poke around and figure it out. She pretty much knew, it looked like she knew right away what needed to be done to fix it. Or two, she's just so super good as a mechanic that no matter what type of machine you put in front of her, she's going to be able to figure out how it works. Either right. way, it's and, pretty and, impressive. Yeah, and we mentioned last time that he recognizes it as an Atlantean cube, so I guess there's no reason to think she wouldn't as well. But as we said at the beginning of the discussion, eventually she, I don't know, fixes the core or whatever, but they can't figure out how to activate it, and that's when Elia steps up, holds it up, it scans him. And then we get that really cool 3D holographic sort of image and is that the pilot that we see briefly with the helmet? I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like some kind of it, astronaut or yeah. 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 I mean, did it record him or is that part of the message that the pilot was referring to when he explained to Elia what, what he needed to do with the cube? But regardless, it, it doesn't really tell them anything except that great line youngster you owe us an explanation and <laughs> again we'll we'll see how much he reveals because a lot of what we've seen out of him he doesn't seem to have a lot of self-control but on the other hand he does so you know right. we'll see obviously the other story centers around live and breaking the crow prisoner out of the crimson cage and and i guess for me the biggest question and i don't think it's really answered does david know what she's planning it because yeah well at first it doesn't seem like it but then it as it turns out it seems like that might have been the plan all along well and and that's what i keep thinking but then you know he'll drop little you know words and phrases that that still make it seem as if maybe he didn't. I mean, just, obviously we don't see them having that conversation, but and that's what makes it so great in terms of uh, you know a, a plot point here. But yeah, I'm just going to hold out that that we just don't necessarily get an answer. Now, but the I, other I, just, question, I feel like they might because it would have been like really awkward for her to fire off that flare and nobody was there so she had to be sure that people were following her and the only way to really be 100 percent sure that they would follow her is to tell them of the plan beforehand and where they were going to go well right but why do they restrain her live that yeah well that's a good point and then david says let her go you would think that they'd all been briefed i mean i guess i would argue that you know, it doesn't take them long to realize the prisoner's gone, lives gone. We're going to send out a search party. And again, obviously there could be a myriad of directions they could go, but maybe given the terrain and the surroundings, they pretty much know where they're headed. I mean, why would they not be headed to Bratok? So, um, you know, so anyway, that, that was a cool point. But the other thing is, do they really now have enough information to successfully get into Bratok? And again, yeah, I guess time will, will tell. We've talked about the, the alliances among the tribes, and, and you know, we learned that the Origines traded with Little Praha, who kept their secret, and 
Okay, so certainly that's something. But we also get a an idea of their size. And, and I always got the sense, I mean, she says that we were around 50 before the attack. I always got the sense it was a lot more than that, you know, maybe in the low hundreds, but you know, who, you know, yeah. now it's probably just her family. I mean, that yeah. that's pretty much all, all the evidence we, we would have. So yeah. it also um, does lend credence to what Fred was questioning late, you know, we'll hear later about why, you know, she, you know, this relationship with David is progressing very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, part of it could be like, well, yeah, well, she was in a tribe of 50 people. So the prospects of her mating are right. <laughs> fairly low. And then she finally meets a dude from outside. And, and uh, so, yeah. So yeah, I, that might lend some, you know, as a reason why that happened so quickly. Right. And again, I mean, you know, they've they've both been, you know, in these – pressurized stressful situations uh, you know i guess i'll have to disagree with fred's wife i think he's a good looking dude so you know uh, i thought I so would think, too i think robert fincher know, would be uh pretty upset to hear their criticism of his looks yeah but you know <laughs> teach their so, own so uh right so you know on on the one hand i think it's perfectly natural as, I, as i've always said it about a lot of tv shows it's like okay you're attractive she's attractive clearly you like each other Neither of you are married or have a boyfriend. Why wouldn't you have that? Well, we work together. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> so anyway, but but obviously, her, she's concerned that that he doesn't feel the same urgency that she feels about getting into bra talk. And and you know, on the one hand, she has this urgency and. On the other hand, she's like, well, how do you expect me to get her to talk? Well, okay. I mean, therein lies the problem, but eventually she figures it out. And, and, and again, I, I think it, it's, it's a great plan. The, the one thing, though, that, that does still bug me, you know, we see her and she's out in, out, you know, outside the, the HQ and she sees that manhole cover or whatever it is. And she, pulls it aside and we're like, okay, yeah, we see she's scoping it out and then she climbs down and I'm thinking like, all right, she's going to pull the thing back to cover it. So nobody knows she's down there. Nope. Just <laughs> leaves it open. I'm like, yeah. again, like you said a few minutes ago, characters doing stupid things. Come on. That's stealth one Oh one. You know, you know, close the damn door, <laughs> recover the man, whatever. But anyway, so, you know, we certainly sense that's what she's doing about this point. But, but the other thing that happens is a crimson patrol comes back with the dead pilot, but report the hover jet nowhere to be found. And they're worried the crows have the cube because of the technology they're going to get. And based on what we've seen of the crows thus far, I guess I wouldn't be too worried about them reverse engineering sophisticated technology like the hover jet. Now, you know, maybe they've got scientists holed up somewhere, but so far, I don't think I'd be that worried, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's me. And, and <laughs> you know, they, they do ask, well, how the hell did the crow shoot this down? So yeah. do they not know what kind of weaponry the crows have? Because again, like I said, you just see bullet holes in the side of the, the craft. They didn't take it down with a surface to air missile. 
Yeah, so, I mean, well, that's part of like the whole thing that you know we really see this pretty wide range of technologies that are out there and everything. And you know, while as Moses tells that the entire world kind of just fell apart, and anything that you know was based on technology just poof stopped working. But we see that there's like yeah, like you said, like they they did shoot down that spaceship aircraft whatever somehow they have a factory that while much of it's based on human labor they still have you know a factory they have cars and things like that so and this whole thing about the atlanteans that no one seems to really know anything about them but still recognize their tech so it's yeah it's just this whole weird thing of like we're just not sure like where specifically we are technologically throughout you know the entire continent and you know the other thing that makes a lot of sense is when david asks Liv to join the crimsons and fight with them to free the slaves at, at Bratok. and you know on the one hand we understand her hesitancy because the crimsons are sort of everything that the origines were against but on the other hand there really are no more origines i mean it's her brothers and her father, and she has no way of knowing whether any of them are even still alive at this point. But, you know, he mentions that whole idea of a great clash will come. And maybe I'm watching too many Roman Empire shows, but <laughs> I, I think not because you know, the whole idea in the Roman Empire, and I'm at this point now where the Germanic tribes who hated each other realized that the Roman Empire, Julius Caesar, is just rolling by us one tribe at a time. So maybe we need to get together and and uh, stand up as a group. So you wonder if this great clash he's talking about is going to involve tribes getting together. But the question is, who are they going against? You know, how much do the Crimsons know? about the Atlanteans. Do they have a sense of where they are? I mean, just because Moses and uh, Elia don't know, that doesn't mean the Crimsons don't know. So, you know, again, yeah. I find that fascinating. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, certainly, you know, when you talk about the Roman Empire, you know, we've seen innumerable regimes since then try to recreate what Rome did, you know, put all of... Actually, not even, as you point out, not even really all of continental Europe because they stopped at the Rhine. I believe the Danube, you know, was kind of like the Eastern or, you know, so, you know, it's really like kind of the, this ring around the, the Mediterranean. Um, impressive feat, obviously, but, but still it's like what, you know, Napoleon and Hitler and, you know, <clears throat> so many other rulers of his, from 400 on, 500 on, um, have had this dream of uniting all of Europe under you know one one regime, one ruler, one king, whatever. So, was it Greta? I think is the name of the crow. You know, she yes. says, you know, what side do you want to be on when the black wave crashes over the land? You know, obviously, well, they, the crows have aspirations to you know unite all of Europe under their leadership. And of course the Crimson Republic seems like they also have that same objective in mind as well. 
it's it's really in, in the historically speaking nothing terribly new, right? Right. And, and I think the other thing that's so fascinating is that it's easy to look at the crows as the bad guys and the crimson as the good guys. But when we look at what it's going to take to unite all of Europe, if that's in fact what you know the intention is, difficult choices are going to have to be made. And, and, and you know, you wonder whether a, a group like the Crows uses fear and intimidation at the beginning, and then maybe once things get into place, uh, you know that that a certain order you know, will remain. And, and that scene when Greta and Liv are, are climbing out of the uh, HQ and I, I got to believe that she fakes falling because she knows that Liv will reach down her hand. And, and she, if she's going to do this, she puts the gun down. And then of course, Greta takes it and we're thinking, okay, uh, I guess that plan went to hell. And then she gives the gun back and says, as you know, girl, a crow always stands by her word. And at that moment, we realize that there is a sense of honor among the crows, despite everything else we've learned about them. And, and dude, there, there's a lot bad with the crows. There's no question. Yeah. Well, but, we first see them. They kill all the origines, basically. You sure. Know? So it's tough to to see them in a good light. But you're right. Like, uh, Greta point, points out, like, listen, if you want to be safe and your family to be safe, you should be with us. You know? Right. But right. on the I other mean, hand, you know, they got slaves. They wiped out the origines, you know? Right. I mean, we're not exactly sure what she's offering live when she says you know come and be with your family well what come and be with them as slaves we don't get the sense that that's the case i i think she certainly can see you know the 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 kind of person live really is and that she you know would be a, a productive member of crow nation but again there's still a lot that that has to be overcome i think in terms of the crows but you know we talked about you know the end of the plan when when greta just basically blurts out how to get around the barricades live immediately fires the flare gun and and you know there we go and she's like ah oh, shit mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so whatever it was a cool scene and then you know she's back at the hq getting patched up well, I'm just it, it shows you this really this. I mean, obviously, as you said, there's a lot bad about the crows. But on the other hand, they do have a code of honor, which Liv honestly doesn't. Right? Liv lies. She fools her. She tricks her. And probably Greta, her mistake is by you know kind of falling for Liv's act, and you know assuming that that uh, she is also what she appears and forthcoming and doesn't lie or holds by her word and that's not the case right i mean there is there is something to be said for honor and and certainly the crows have that at least in one regard but you know they get back they do shots of schnapps they kiss the clothes come off and way well you the camera cuts away. I don't know what the hell's up with that, but uh, nah. 
<laughs> you know, Fred raises an interesting question whether her kissing him is part of another plan. And while I don't think it is, I do think it's what we were talking about a little bit ago. I'm going to keep an eye on that, Fred. That That is something that that is intriguing because she's been in this small group of people where subterfuge really doesn't likely play a role. So she's really picking up on this stuff pretty quickly, which look, she's a smart young woman. So, but still she hasn't had the opportunity or the need to lie and deceive probably her whole life. So, right. you, know, you know, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah, but she's not she's not bad at it though, you know. No, so that's what I'm she, saying. She's, yeah, she's had some practice somewhere along the line at it. But uh, you know, like it's funny because you know, I mean, I we both have already seen this, but like I don't remember that much of it. Obviously, I I I remember when she was breaking Korea out that that it was some kind of plan involved. I couldn't really remember. So you know, so I'm actually wondering the same things. I can't remember whether her hooking up with David is part of this larger scheme. And I agree with you. Like at this point, I don't really think so, but also in the back of my mind, it's like, yeah, this, this could be just another play, you know, right. she's just, so, uh, you know, so it's definitely possible. Right. And I'm like you, I remember the really major plot points, but that I'm a little fuzzy. So yeah, so I'm not exactly sure, you know, Keanu's looking for a way out of slavery and, yeah, we talked about some of the things that that Elia does. Keanu, it's almost like, dude, are you just asking to get killed? Uh, I mean, <laughs> okay, I, I I get that you want to get out of here, but you've been here for like what a day? Don't you think maybe learn the the lay of the land? And and again, I don't, I'm not feeling real good about the way he mistreats Linus who is his only friend and I'm making air quotes. I'm not sure I'd call him a friend, yeah. but you know, dude is telling you just chill. Uh, you know, I don't want to get involved. And he's like, no, you're going to get involved. So I have a little problem with, with that. Yeah. Um, but then we see how, how Linus sets him up. It's yeah, just like, well, true. Like, well, that's so. true. Uh, we do learn that he's from the Flemish Union. So, you know, again, we get a little bit more information. But the other thing is they're in a relatively safe part of the production system where they're just packing as opposed to, you know, where the actual walk is made. And <clears throat> I mean, at this point, I think we're starting to get the idea that it's some kind of a drug. Mm-hmm. What effect it has is it a recreational drug we you know <clears throat> we still don't know at this point but you know the whole yeah, idea why do they have to manufacture it on such a large scale too right right well they they apparently sell it in in the outside world so there's again virtually every culture you know since man has been civilized at all has been interested in drugs as recreational vehicle so i guess it's it's no different in the apocalypse he does learn keanu that is that there there might be a way out a freedom fight slave against slade and that lord varvara makes the picks and of course you know i'm thinking ah roman gladiators which you know in a sense it is and and it it takes us back even to a show like the hundred Mm 
when they were underground for all that time and octavia was in charge and you know they they had the uh you know the fights down in the pit so you know that that's what he's looking to do he's looking to get an opportunity to fight slave against slave and you know again as we've said these people have done a a a little bit of physical training it appears but they're not really ready for any full-scale slave against slave although you never know i mean like linus says that you know i I forget his exact words but i I get crushed like a like a little bird if i went in there so you know keanu's a little more physically fit than he is but still yeah but um, you know he also i mean keanu has to know that he's not gonna if he does get picked for the Boge that uh you know he's not gonna go up against a scrawny dude like Linus. He's probably gonna be up against like one of those guys who jumped him in, you know, whatever that was. Right. Where uh, Linus took him. Right. Uh, and you know, he's gonna get th- some big dude. I I mean what'd you think about his just coming out in the open without really having a an idea about what would happen when he basically rats out one of Rivera's guards. And yeah, you know, I was cause I, I know when he was on, I know he's under the table. And he saw the the two dudes, I guess, trying to sneak away some of the the wolk. Yeah, I didn't know at the end if he was just you know taking a shot in the dark or if he actually had sorted out how this stuff was get, getting. And I would probably have to go back if I watched it, you know, a third time. I'd probably figure it out. But yeah, I don't I don't know if it's just him just guessing. Or if he kind of sorted out how how what's going on, and that he's actually um, letting her know, you know, like that what he says is legit, right? And, and I mean, he gets what he wants, which is an audience with Lord Varvara, and, and hopefully an opportunity in, in one of these slave fights. Although that doesn't necessarily come up because, as she says, so it's basically the word of a slave versus the word of one of my bozies, and sentence him sentences him to death by the wire which we don't know exactly what that is but it doesn't sound good no it sounds unless it's like well we're going to make you watch this really awesome cop show about uh, baltimore and then you know once you're done then then we're going to kill you yeah well, um, i like that but that wouldn't be so bad yeah you know like. um and look i mean even if you haven't seen the show the way we have i i think most people understand at this point, well, all right, something's going to happen that Keanu is not going to die by the wire. So just like we said with Liv, is she setting David up for something else? You know, does Lord Varvara have something else in mind that, you know, that she just wants her Bozy to perhaps relax a little bit and she'll catch him in the act i mean we again i don't remember because again like you were saying a few minutes ago the the little details like that but i I think we pretty much know keanu is not going to die at this point so anyway um anything else about any of these storylines that we haven't talked about you want to touch on yeah i don't think so okay I think we got, yeah, pretty much covered most of it, yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's get to the listener feedback and hear what Fred's got for us this week. We'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Tribes of Europa, Season 1, Episode 3. 
Let's start with some negative feedback and I will give the episode a B- for this. The speed in which the relationship between Liv and David Voss evolves. Very unnatural, too much speed, partly perhaps due to a season of only six episodes. And my wife said, I don't see what she sees in him. He is so apathetic, always looking very firm and very unemotional. And what also plays a role, my wife is a native German speaker. And I have to agree with her that the acting is not so good. Also in Liv, not so very good. But especially in this David, he he just reads his lines. So that even makes this feeling worse. Being non-emotional, not acting very well, just reading your lines. And that makes him unattractive. I sometimes really wonder if that is true for English-speaking actors the same, but we don't notice it, that the acting sometimes is bad. It is very much the nuance in in language, I think. And as not being a native English speaker, perhaps we think that the American actors, English actors are better because we notice these little nuances in our own languages easier. And actually that results in these tribes of Europa when these Germans speak English with a terrible accent. Their acting is actually better than when they speak German. Because then you are much more critical. Talking about critical, my wife was critical about my last feedback. I was saying something about Moses, that I liked his figure. And then my wife said, well, figure is not used, you should call that character. And of course she was right. Uh, Figure is of course used for numbers. But the figure as as a person... It's only the outside and it's not the way they behave, etc. So you probably use the word character more than figure. And that's the disadvantage when my wife listens to my feedback and parts of your podcast, which does me realize that you rarely correct me on language. We sometimes have discussions about words, but you never, well, <laughs> correct me on it. What I do notice now and then is that your reaction to what I said is sometimes uh, a little bit off topic or actually it's because of my choice of words that we just don't understand each other. But mostly I correct that then in the next podcast by explaining what I did mean to say. Okay, other topics about the third episode. I think the building, the Crimson Headquarters... So the Camp Ehrenberg is an interesting building and I actually looked it up what it was and it's somewhere in Croatia and I posted a link to a Wikipedia page on the Facebook page. It's actually a monument. It is a Second World War monument built on a highest peak in a mountain area in Croatia. And it celebrates the uprising of partisans against the German Nazis in 1941. And actually you were talking about the Nazis in the previous podcast, but then about the Crows setting. It was built in 1981 and 
the sad thing is that from 1991, it already got devastated. People stole the steel plates from it, etc. Of course, in that area, a war was going on again. This episode also showed that I was wrong about the clippings and the obsession of Ilya for what happened to Black December. Obviously, already his mother uh, collected these clippings. I really liked the scam that Liv played with Greta with the captured crow. And she indeed was able to get the information out of her. I actually also wonder if her... Kissing David is also a scam, as there's also a purpose. Or does she only feel very lonely? Funny thing was that my wife made a remark about, well, he is from another tribe. They lived in the forest with only 50 people. Genetically, it is uh, perhaps a good match. Ha ha. As a geneticist, normally I make that kind of jokes, but now she did. But my question is, is this also a kind of scam? I don't like the whole story in the Walk Factory that much, but it proved that there are people from different tribes. So that one colleague that Keanu had indeed came from Belgium, from the Flemish Union, whatever. And Wayne, did the Walk remind you of something? These jelly-like bricks? I had a very much a snow pizza feeling. Okay, that's all for now. Greetings. All the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Now, you know, we've talked about acting in, you know, virtually every show we watch. But but the other thing in the international shows, I think we all agree that if you want to judge the acting, you have to listen in the original language. If you're Mm -hmm. judging the acting by the dubbed version, well, that just seems silly and counterintuitive. Now, that said... Even though I don't speak German, I feel like I can tell the difference between good and mediocre acting. And while I don't necessarily think any of these actors are doing anything Oscar-worthy or whatever the award would be, I guess, Emmy-worthy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the acting has been pretty solid. So, uh, to me, that's not been an issue at all. And, And to be honest, it's not something I've even thought about at all, which then tells me... For me, the acting's been fine. So. Yeah. Well, s- same here, but I, like, you know, Fred's comments made me think. I'm like, you know, yeah, he's got a point there. Because for me, I know there's more to acting than what they say. But, you know, not knowing German, I, I would really wouldn't be able to tell. Like, everything for me is fine. I wouldn't be able to tell, like, what we would call a wooden performance in English Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker, for example. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I wouldn't know. I would think, I think it's, it's fine. Like, so I have no problem with it. It's just because I can't pick up on the nuances of inflection and language that, that obviously a native speaker would. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, yes, I don't understand the words that the characters are saying. I mean, obviously I've got the, the subtitles in front of me, but I, I guess I feel like, the emotion and and i mean still you can get inflections i mean i don't know i i it's now i'm gonna be paying attention to that even more and as we move (laughs) forward but uh but the other thing fred posted a link and a photo of the crimson hq in the facebook group if you haven't seen that definitely check that out because as, as he 
lets us know it's actually in Croatia and was built as a, a, a war monument. So it's fascinating stuff. I mean, definitely go and check it out. But yeah, d- definitely an awesome find, Fred. And uh, well, I think we have to agree that that place was just a perfect. Oh yes, like location. I, I don't know if they use the interior any, but as far as the exterior, man, what a a great place to pick. And it, it was just perfect, and especially with you know, all the metal that's missing from the outside, you even get even more that sense of deterioration and you know and and decay and the breakdown of society and everything it just man it's just i sometimes i wonder if someone saw that place and then the whole story came to them after they saw that monument you know yeah and i could totally see that and it, it makes me think there's a show i watch regularly on the science channel something of the abandoned and and they find all of these abandoned structures all over the world and, you know this kind of a thing and then they go in and they you know they they talk about what it was when it was built you know why it's in such disrepair at this point so uh you know fascinating stuff and then the walk factory does give us a little insight into the outside world and the tribes i mean not a lot but but we do know that the crows are trading with the outside world they've got a product that apparently other people want so good for them i mean we don't know whether they produce anything else but we know they at least produce this so uh anything else about fred's feedback you want to talk about oh just uh yeah that the snow piercer vibe that he picked up on uh i kind of i'm feeling you with that one fred I, i kind of agree with that as well Trying to think. Oh, I think the in the beginning I, I said that the actor who played David's name was uh, Robert Fincher. I think I said before, but it's Robert Finster. But uh, but yeah, no, I think okay. I, that's okay. Uh, what are you thinking for a grade this time? You know, I still don't feel like we've gotten into the A range yet. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, for, for this, so I think you know there was enough action here to i think to to give it a b plus but i think what you said in the beginning how you know we're halfway through the first series here and uh you know we really outside of the first episode not a lot has kind of gone on you know like basically everyone's still in the same place they've been in that same place since the uh the end of of that first episode. So I can't give it an A just yet, but I think a B plus would work. Yeah. And and the thing about a B plus, I mean, for me, I I think the, the plot development in this episode that really solidifies that B plus grade, not still not a minus yet, but the detail about the Atlanteans, how their technology still works, apparently has always worked and no one knows where they are. That's fascinating to me. So that in and of itself, you know, really is enough for me to feel really good about a B-plus grade. So, you know. Yeah, right, because, like, everything else in this world is, like, stuff we recognize, right? Sure. But the existence of the Atlanteans is not something that we recognize. So who the heck are they? Where do they live? You know, we have the same questions that, that Moses and – uh, and Elia have right. Who are they? Where they live? What do they do? Why are they here? All that stuff. Yeah. And and what part did they play in 
you know, the societal interactions, do they trade with the tribes? Are, are they customers of, you know, the uh, walk that's being produced by the crows? I guess we'll find out. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and leave it there. Um, some good thing we got, we got that settled about uh, Deadpool and, and Lucifer. So, uh, right. definitely looking forward to that. But that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatched. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Tribes of Europa, anything else in the genre TV world, or you know, even the genre film world for that matter. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about Chapter 4 of the German Netflix post-apocalyptic tale, Tribes of Europa. But until then... You know, kids are always, like, complaining about going back to school. And I guess teachers kind of do, too. And, you know, you just think, you know, when uh, that first day back, when all the uh, the teachers get back, thinking the administrators must say, the fuckers knew it was coming and we're ready for it. <laughs>